Here we go. Another incredible episode of 2023. Showing marketers and executives that real-world advertising offers limitless ways to reach target audiences via human-level connections with digital-like attribution. We are lucky enough to have founder and CEO Sam Mullikarjanan with us, and we have a lot to cover. You may have caught him on Writing with Authors, my YouTube series, where he presented his book on how to sell better than Amazon. And now, today, he leads a team of Amazon sellers former Amazon team members, and highly skilled consultants to help small business owners start or grow with 10 plus years in selling on Amazon and serving Amazon sellers. Some other areas we're going to dive into today include how to manage fast growth, building and managing a remote workforce, entrepreneurship and parenting, so much more. Be sure to stick around for that spotlight story right around the halfway point. Where since we have an all-star in the Amazon world with us, I thought I could add value to everyone today if we went over an article titled, How Selling on Amazon Can Make You a Better Entrepreneur. And then, of course, we'll get Sam's take on it. Sam, how are you doing today? Great to see you again. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. And congrats on two things. One, um, uh, I think you pitch us better than I do. And two, uh, nailing my last name. Uh, yes. Usually I, usually I let that go. You crushed it. I had to get the practice in, you know, and now I had to not let you down on live air. But now that we have Sam in the building, he's got a lot to offer. I did a little preview for you. We're going to learn a bit about Sam. When did you become an entrepreneur? What started this path? I became an entrepreneur in in high school. My first startup uh, was actually uh, a, a youth mentoring kind of thing. This is before I knew you needed money in order to fund like operations and things like that. So my first one was a charity. Yeah. Uh, and then in college, we had a, a mobile advertising uh, startup and a DVD vending kiosk. Uh, and then uh, from there, I had an AM FM talk radio show that I co-hosted about cigars every weekend. And uh, weirdly, that's what led me to marketing because all the cigar industry folks are like, hey, Sam, like, you know how the internet works, right? <laughs> I, I don't know why they're Boston Mafia people, but just whatever. Uh, and I'm like, yes, I know how the internet works. So I, I built them websites and they didn't make any money. And they're like, how do we make money on the internet? I'm like, I don't know. That's how I found HubSpot was Googling, like, how do I make money on the internet? This is back in like 2009. So, and the rest of there's from history. I was, uh, yeah, at HubSpot for almost eight years, taught at Harvard for a while and uh, chief revenue officer at Flock and now uh, onescreen.ai. I love it. Well, congratulations on all the success steamrolling forward. Let's talk about that transition, if you don't mind, with leaving HubSpot starting your own company. You mentioned you were there for eight years. Walk us through that. That was tough. Uh, so the HubSpot execs have an interesting employee retention trick where they tell you that if you ever want to leave, you should let them know because they'll help you find a more interesting gig working together than you'll probably just like find on your own. And it's true, right? Like, you know, it's better advice and they can make introductions, et cetera. But it also gives them an opportunity to like save you. So like I tried to quit HubSpot probably two or three times prior to when I actually left. Um, and then it was a very emotional decision, right? When I got there, we were like a hundred or so people. When I left, right. we were like 5,000, nobody knew us. Um, so I, I hired a freelance economist uh, uh, from LinkedIn uh, to make the decision for me. And then I also uh, went to a, a voodoo priest in New Orleans to make the decision for me. So it was a very difficult, difficult decision to leave HubSpot. It was an emotional decision to leave HubSpot, but you know, there's to an extent only so far you can grow with any given company and you want to go try new things. So the, and 
true to their word. They helped me find a new job. Uh, CRO at flock.com was because the CMO had helped Splat helped me, helped right. introduce me to that company. Well, I mean, I think I've learned that life's in these chapters and these phases where sometimes these organic exits, it's meant to be something presented itself that you're extremely passionate about. And now you've scaled that quite a bit. We might as well dive into that a bit more your current company. Yeah. So this was an accident, actually. Um, a few former HubSpotters, we, when the COVID lockdowns were hitting, we're like, we can't help small business. We can't help anybody in any meaningful way. Like Andre, my, my co-founder, his wife is a doctor, right? Like right. we can't really help in the same way. So we're like, what if there was Google Display Network for the real world and these small businesses could make money off of the reduced occupancy restrictions that they have? Okay. Um, and so we did that. I think I've got the video somewhere, I don't know, with the, uh, the guy that you actually can buy these giant checks. Um, if you can, I don't know if we're doing a video. This yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. my, my barber shop in Boston. We built these devices plugged into this TV up there, you know, giant checks, my co-founder, Greg. Um, and we handed out some $50,000 or something, uh, to small businesses in the Boston area. Um, Andre cool. had a great job as an executive at Wayfair. Um, but then we did what we kind of j jokingly called reverse stealth mode. We called all the companies in the out-of-home industry and told them what we had done, assuming somebody could run with it. Discovered that while they're wonderful people, they think API stands for the American Press Institute in this industry. It's grown for almost 300 years nonstop without needing yeah. any technology. Um, but it's, it, it's the most fun I've had doing marketing since they invented social media. Right? It's fun. Yeah, it certainly is. And I'm sure you've learned quite a bit from that whole process, learning lessons that you can carry over into your current company. Uh, but it's not all glamour and entrepreneurship. As you know, once you become an entrepreneur, you realize that that Google, Elon Musk lifestyle, that that's one in the million. Most of us entrepreneurs are people that traded that nine to five for the 24 seven. What do you find most challenging about your 24 seven? The... There's a few things. One is is balancing my own burnout. I, I burnt out enough times that I can recognize the warning signs, but yep, um, there's still, you know, there's, there's always something critical and important to do. Like I, I, I have three parameters to decide if I'm going to do something: exclusivity, importance, and urgency. Mm -hmm. So if only I can do it, if it's important and it's urgent, it generally gets done. Seems like there's a never-ending list of those um, compared to when I was at larger companies. Um, Balancing family time, right? Like uh, I'm trying to make more time. My wife and I walk on the beach and stuff in the mornings now. Um, she jokes that she has trust issues. She's only half joking that I'm going to be able to make more time to, to help the family. Because yeah, I wake up at 3.30 in the morning. I walk 10 miles listening to sales calls and leading coaching feedback. And then I, you know, work until 8 p.m. at night. So that's that's a challenge. And then the, the third challenge is that... Uh, not everybody on your team is going to have the same degree, the same like work cadence, like where they <clears throat> intensely work all the time um, or the same kind of resilience. And you risk burning other people out if, you, if they never see you take time off. <laughs> so that's, that's a big challenge that I have is I use the schedule Slack feature a lot, right? It's like, it might be two o'clock in the morning or whatever, but I schedule like slacks to go out so that people don't necessarily realize, although they probably do, mm -hmm. um, that I'm, you know, working at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. I really like how you, you're the first one to say that. And I like that where you're setting an example for others around you. If you're working nonstop all the time, then you might burn out your other employees, which in turn 
could lead to them leaving the company that could lead to them not being as productive because they're burnt out. Incredible there. Um, and I could also resonate what you said with the warning signs of burnout. I feel like I had much more endurance in the beginning of the entrepreneurial journey where now I also <clears throat> was at a point where I started time blocking maybe about two, three years ago. And I found my production going through the roof because I was organized, not stressing what to do next. But I was time blocking 3 a.m. till 6, 7 p.m. Now, I mean, I do a pretty hard three to three on days where I'm only doing my entrepreneurship activities. And that's including mental health breaks where I'll step away, take a walk outside for 15 minutes, do some dishes, try to break. I found ways to extend my day rather than hitting that burnout wall. Um, it does no good, but it is a learning lesson. <laughs> Scheduling is important. I'm not sure whether this is a good or bad thing for my marriage, but my wife and I have scheduled a recurring weekly one-on-one -on, -one on my work calendar uh, so that her and I could like deal with whatever the family stuff that we need to deal with. Um, so whether it's going for a walk and doing the dishes or just making sure that you have time blocked off because otherwise time will get filled. I really think that's, that's admirable as well, because in entrepreneurship, you kind of are married to your business. Your business is your kid, one or the other to make that intentional time for that. I'm sure that pays major dividends in your relationship. So congratulations on doing a good job at balancing. I think it's a great lesson for everyone being on find ways to make sure everything stays afloat. We don't want to let one area sink because we're so heavily involved in our work. And I think now we should take a pause ahead right into that spotlight story. We've heard about his business today. This one, how selling on Amazon can make you a better entrepreneur. We're going to get a lot of great feedback from our guest in just a moment. I'm going to go ahead and kick us off. Do you want to know what it's like to be an entrepreneur? Sell online, the article says. Coincidentally, that was the name of this show when I first launched it, what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. But we can talk about that another time. As I see it, having your own e-commerce business teaches you the skills you need to run a business and lead them in a faster way. That's how I got my start, says the article's author. Selling one product on Amazon turned into selling three dozen, and it set me into a mission to make the process easier for others. I took my own experience and built my own product which I've since grown into a global company and now an all-in-one platform to help other entrepreneur businesses succeed on Amazon. Here we go. He says, this is what he's learned along the way. <clears throat> Commit to best practices. Your entrepreneurial journey is what you make it. In order to thrive on Amazon or other e-commerce platforms, adopting these practices will not only make you a successful seller, but help you become a more well-rounded entrepreneur. Lean into your competitive streak in the Amazon world, things move fast. Some winning factors for products like sales rank, buy box ownership change by the day. You'll need to constantly watch and understand competitor moves. Take notes. The next, it says, sharpen your attention to detail. I'll admit, keeping up with every detail of your product is a challenge. However, slight tweaks in your listing or to your keyword strategy can make all the difference and you must always monitor your product's performance, especially when competing products are available to shoppers. Touch on two more here and then we'll bring him back on. Be resourceful. On one hand, when you sell on Amazon, you'll learn that nothing will surprise you. And that is probably the best case with most new businesses. Managing a business with constant change is not new. Between pivoting for changing market trends and building new strategies to monitor your competitors, you're always adapting. Fortunately, there are plenty of helpful tools out there to guide you along the way. And then finally, we're going to touch on seizing the opportunity. 
Other entrepreneurs have caught on to the gold mine opportunity that is e-commerce and have expanded their reach online. According to this company survey of more than 1,000 Amazon sellers, 20% said that adding a new sales channel to their existing businesses was a top reason for starting to sell on Amazon. Expanding a current business on Amazon requires you to be diligent about what products you want to sell. Doing thorough research is key for product development and to understand how you can prosper in Amazon's competitive landscape. Once, I mean, <clears throat> often, if your product can succeed on Amazon, it can succeed on other channels as well. Sam, what do you take away from this article? I like at the very end how they specify that Amazon is a sales channel. Uh, it is a, you're, yeah. you're outsourcing your customer acquisition costs, just like when you do Facebook ads or AdWords or anything else like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the danger a lot of people have is they turn their businesses into a one-trick pony, whether it's, you know, you're overly reliant on Facebook ads or you're overly reliant on just one channel like Amazon. Um, the the other thing is, but I, I do like that last point though, which is like outsourcing your customer acquisition means you can experiment really quickly, right? Um, the But just remembering that you don't actually own the customer. If you ask all your friends, what's the you know, who did they buy from on Amazon? They're going to say mm -hmm. Amazon. Odds are they don't know the store. Yeah. Um, and the final note is remember that like Amazon, there's a great quote by Randy Miller, who was an old director at Amazon on how Amazon uses platform strategy to determine what they're going to sell, right? So they are outsourcing their own, what's going to be an Amazon branded product to the rest of us who are selling on Amazon. And his quote was, if you don't know what you're doing, bring the third party sellers in, watch how they do it, how they price it. He was talking like about that. fashion, I think. Um, and then and then you can jump into it. So every transaction you're running through Amazon is a gift because you're outsourcing customer acquisition, but it also comes with a price tag because you are subsidizing uh, what may eventually become your competitor. You're super successful and suddenly there's Amazon branded toothpaste. Soon enough, right? <laughs> Amazon branded, I mean, they own what Whole Foods, so there'll be Amazon labeled bananas at some point, yeah. you name it. It's also, while we're on Jeff Bezos, I just always become inspired when I hear that because of how it started, you know, an online bookstore to a global empire. Yeah, I think the humble origins are, are lost to an extent because, and it's a good lesson for entrepreneurs because he did one thing well, right? Uh, and he owned that vertical and books were something that you needed to have a lot of, you could go wide, you could have, you know, repurchase behavior. Uh, a lot of Amazon sellers or e-commerce companies in general don't, they'll have like 500 different variations of a widget instead of having, when you're only going to buy one widget every 10 years in your lifetime, instead of having like a broader catalog and being right. able to build that kind of like re recurring repeat business, the customer lifetime value. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's genius. It's just, uh, it's it's one of those tread lightly things. You know, you've got to have your own website. You've got to have your own customer acquisition. Um, and you don't want to be beholden, whether it's Facebook ads, Google ads, or, you know, the search engine ranking for Amazon. Um, there's always another nerd like me, just like <laughs> whoever's listening to this podcast who's who's trying to beat you to it. I love it. Such great insight this entire episode. But before we let you go, Sam, which entrepreneur throughout history would you choose to sit down, learn from, have a conversation with? Which entrepreneur through history? Um, I would probably say Lorenzo de' Medici. 
Let's talk about it. Why? So the, uh, the, the merchant marine fleets of uh, Renaissance Florence and Italy literally ended the Dark Ages. All they did was make the world more connected. They made it so that you could get products and, and services and they created payment terms and they had like both a bank as well as their shipping things. You see a lot of this, is it was the first, I think, real example of what became a common thread of if you can be an ecosystem integrator and an ecosystem developer, you like Amazon, like tons of people make money on Amazon that aren't just Jeff Bezos, as you know, we, we discussed. Um, if you have that mentality of like, how can I make money by making other people more money? Um, I think that's the, the recipe for winning, but he did it during, like I have that example and a hundred other examples to go based on doing that from scratch when, you know, the, you're coming out of the dark ages and, you know, people really aren't supposed to be doing this kind of thing. And, uh, there's a lot of like chaos, like we think it's chaotic now to try I don't know, maybe somebody randomly rides into Florence this week and, you know, burns the city down uh, and there's no FDIC insurance for your bank deposits. So I think that, that that was a fascinating entrepreneur who literally changed the, uh, those few generations of the Medici's changed the trajectory of human history. And I love, I love when guests come on. It's not as frequent as I, I'd like to conversate with, because it's so interesting and but the titans of industry people before google you know we have we have a computer in our hands or most of us have a computer in our hands at all times these people had to really be innovators pioneers thinking so far outside the box where it didn't make sense to most people because that's really what entrepreneurship is yeah you were lucky if your customers could read and write um, much less, you know, discover you by using somebody else's platform, right? Like you, marketing was literally going to a market and finding your customers. Um, that's, uh, that's bold, right? It's easy to follow and build on the footsteps of everybody else. Uh, like this, the science we do these days is much harder than the science Einstein was doing back in the day. But that's because when Einstein's discoveries came and none of us knew anything about anything. So like, that's arguably much harder than building on, you know, a foundation that we, uh, that we already have. I love it, Sam. Well, thank you so much for such another great show. Everyone out there, if you really enjoyed this conversation and have more interest in Amazon, shoot over to Writing with Authors. The episode link will be in the bio, along with Sam's information. Sam, share where we can find you. you Google anything even close to my name, Malakarjanan, you should find me. Um, but you can also find me at onescreen.ai. You can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn. I answer every message I get. Onescreen.ai for the professional business. Learn more about what he has going on. And the show is hashtag that entrepreneur show and at that entrepreneur show. I am at Vincent A. Lancey and on YouTube, Vincent A. Lancey, be sure to head there. You will see clips from this episode and other shows too. Until next Friday, I am signing off, Sam, until our next chat. Thanks, Vincent.